Welcome to International Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel Studios in Atlanta and worldwide across the PBC syndicated networks. This episode made possible in part by Tempest, simplifying global payments in over 130 currencies. For more info, visit TempestFX.com. And now let's welcome our guests and your host for today's episode. Hey everybody, this is Tom Rossland. I'm your host and moderator for our third International Business Radio podcast here in lovely Buckhead area in Atlanta. I'm honorary consul for the Kingdom of Sweden and also now newly for Norway. I'm also a business and international attorney and partner at Vodka, Ramsey, Andrews, Wintergrad and Wallstein in Atlanta. I'm excited to have two wonderful guests Talented folks are coming in. JP Carriedo, uh, CEO of Tempest, and we have Diane Caceres, but she is the CEO of Market Access International and founder and chair of the World Trade Day Conference in Georgia. And uh, so we're here to talk about a few things. And I guess, JP, would you just like to tell the audience a little bit about what you do and what you're doing here? Sure. First of all, thank you, Tom, for having us here. What Tempest does is very easy. We move funds from one place to another internationally. We cross borders and we help you move your funds from one place to the next. Currency exchange comes in the middle, and that's a factor that can affect your business, and that's where we can come in and help you navigate those, those risks. That's great. Diane, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. Well, I actually wear two hats. Uh, one is CEO, founder of Market Access International. We celebrated 20 years last year of operations. We work with both smaller and medium-sized firms as well as governments that want to grow globally. And we offer and work with those organizations across a range of services, from industry studies, market studies, work plans, and so forth, to B2B activities. We also mobilize finance when needed. So we have been doing this for 20 years and actually encounter firms that do have these risks that they don't quite understand when it comes to foreign exchange. So glad to be on uh, here with JP. That's great. And I think there are probably two or three things we'd like to cover, broadly speaking, as in terms of items of focus, and it will be the pros and cons of growing your business globally, what to consider before deciding to expand your business internationally, and also once going global, how to protect and maximize your profit margins. So we've got a lot of room to run here. I don't know if, JP, you want to talk a little bit about you know, what your thoughts are in terms of the offerings that Tempest has and what its position is in the market? Sure. First of all, I think it's important to think about the pros and cons of going global, how we can jump in and help you with that. First of all, diversification is very important in terms of expanding globally. Tempus can help you there managing the risk of foreign exchange exposure. Dan, do you have any thoughts on that based on what you do in the space? I mean, just echoing JP, we work with many smaller and medium-sized firms who, for example, maybe they're new to exporting. And very successful domestically, but they have not yet researched global markets. They understand that there are opportunities to grab market share globally, but they're not quite sure about the risks of doing so. And so by industry, we've seen different kinds of firms reacting to this sort of foreign exchange challenge differently. Dealing with, for example, a life sciences biotech firm, they're going to organize their company differently around research and development first versus, say, a manufacturer that's selling automotive parts. The way that they design their strategy and execute on that and how they incorporate the exchange rate risk is a bit different, we've found. And JP, I had a question for you just from your experience with the international community and having your own travel stories. 
you know, what exposure do you see in terms of the foreign exchange market to the Southeast? Since we're, of course, speaking uh, locally about the Southeast, and of course, nationally, but just you'd like to talk about your experience with Tempest and what you see with international business flows and opportunities. Sure. Uh, well, there are many uncertainties when going global and investing internationally. We have to deal with different kinds of regulations, different cultures, of course, for an exchange, which that's what we deal with. You have to understand the local people as well. And you need to learn about those and lean on experts that can help you guide your business face these different challenges. Monix purchased Tempus. Uh, Monix is a, a, an international financial institution based in Mexico. They had to face many challenges coming to the U.S. First of all, it's a completely regulated industry, financial institutions. So we have to learn about that. We have to learn about the culture of the company, which was completely different as the one we had in Mexico. And of course, we have to hedge for the actual payment, the transaction. We purchased forward contracts to prevent any currency fluctuation to affect this business plan that we had at the time. So this is true for anywhere you are in the world. If you are in the southeast, northeast, west coast, wherever you are, these same factors will show up, and that's what you have to consider. And you're talking about the foreign exchange uh, flows and so on and so forth. What do you think in terms of current operating environment challenges or opportunities do you see for the next six months on your radar? Well, currency markets are very complex, and they move every single day, depending on whatever is, is going out and politics trade wars, for example. So you have to be careful of, about those weekly movements and rather think long-term about the strategy of the company. So I would move away from the six-month planning period. And if you want to really invest overseas, you have to have a longer-term view and don't make a decision on what's happening right now or where the currency market is today, which you might see an opportunity right now because, let me say, after Brexit, the, the pound was really at a bargain price. You don't make a business decision for 10 years based on that particular event that happened, isolated. So I will move away from that short period uh, view. And so, Dan, can you touch upon a little bit what that, you know, what mindset you need to bring to the table in terms of business and financial planning decisions along with currency exchange issues? I can certainly, I think JP is absolutely right when it comes to the short-term versus long-term planning. We have seen this with for example, smaller firms from overseas trying to enter the southeastern U.S. market. For example, we'll help them research the market, a SWOT, a Strength, Weaknesses, Opportunities, Threat study for them, right. help them understand the lay of the land, if you will, bring them then to the marketplace to actually meet with potential customers, meet with potential partners, joint venture partners, R&D partners. But what we have seen often, which we have to try to correct for, is firms who come short-term thinking, maybe wanting to establish a distributorship, not actually doing the due diligence in terms of identifying and qualifying potential distributors, making sure they can dedicate the right amount of time to their product line to sell in the market. And then the small firms don't always have the resources to support in-market entry, meaning exporting to or even investing in another market. So those are some of the challenges for small firms, especially small firms with a short-term view of how to enter in the market. They're not looking at the long view, the sustainable view, which I think is very critical now. Competition is very, very fierce in many industries. 
big data and other artificial intelligence, machine learning, all of these trends, blockchain, right, are impacting very quickly. And so I think firms have to juggle the short-term reaction and then the long-term planning. And I guess that's where experts can come in and advise these companies, uh, experts that know the local culture, for example, the local regulation. In our case, what we do is we know the currency market can help them overcome that short-term planning by hedging their flows, making sure that they meet their goals and their budgeted numbers and thread onto a longer-term strategy that can make them viable for many years to come. So JP, I was going to have a question for you and Diane, if you can weigh in. Just in terms of paying for transactions in dollars versus a local currency, why would a U.S. merchant elect the process of paying in foreign currency versus U.S. dollars? That's a great question. So even if they don't think about it, somewhere in the process there is a foreign exchange transaction. Even if they're not doing it themselves, maybe the counterparty is doing it and dealing with that foreign exchange risk. Most of the time, if a company is paying only in U.S. dollars, the other party is doing the exchange but with a premium. So they end up paying twice what they should if they were able to face directly that risk, embrace it, and manage it. Again, we're holding the hand of an expert. And so, Dan, do you see that in terms of business planning, that question coming up? I'm going to have to say that I leave it to the experts, Tempest FX. Um, Honestly, we we don't have that in-house expertise, but we do hear from companies occasionally um, if we're dealing with the CFO or, you know, the department that is really day-to-day managing the financial functions of the firm. We'll talk with them about this challenge. Often they'll have a bank that they deal with in terms of trade credit and so forth. They will you know, be able to draw financing to support their sales, their exports. But I don't know that there is enough awareness of how literally specifically firms can manage those risks, those exchange rate risks and currency fluctuations effectively. I don't know that it's number one, top of mind, like I said before, which is, again, why I think there's a lot of learning. Uh, Many firms actually have to learn about the risks from the experts. Absolutely. And and I think that's part of our mission, just to create this awareness in a country that has dominated international trade, hence the dollar is is prevalent in in international trade. So, JP, does the size of the business impact the global growth potential? And also, what does it do for the service levels that are required to help that, that customer? I would say that regardless of the size of business you are in, you will always be exposed if you go internationally to a foreign exchange risk. So you will always be better off facing it directly, acknowledging it and managing it. Of course, the larger the business, the larger the exposure, and the more sophisticated the tools that you have available to manage it. But again, regardless of the size, you should be looking into this. And do you have any stories that you can talk about in terms of just, I mean, maybe people consider foreign exchange just to be a small component of their business operations, but can you explain to the audience what a big impact it has on the bottom line in terms of profitability? Absolutely. Think about the profit margin of the average company, right? It's probably a few percentage points. It's uh, 7 to 10%. Sometimes in foreign exchange, going through the local banks that don't have this expertise, you're getting charged up to 1% or 2%. And that goes directly to your bottom line. So if you're able to get the right partner on board, uh, you'll be saving this 1%, 2% that will immediately go to a better EBITDA. You feel the impact immediately in your profit. 
So Diane, just I guess a few questions for you, uh, along with being the founder and chair of the World Trade Day. You also help different companies with their you know, needs here in this market. And I was wondering, in terms of you know developing a business plan, what are the players that are important in terms of expertise that you bring to the table? Well, I think uh, certainly you need the, a firm that is wanting to grow globally needs the ecosystem of experts. So it would be on the consulting side, how to think about the markets, uh, how to research and identify your niche globally. You need tax consultants, legal advice. Also, I would say some of the quality control experts out there. Many firms that compete successfully do also abide by international standards. So they have to know products in their industry if you're going to export to any EU member country, what about the EU mark? Do I need that for my product? Or the ISO standards, International Standards Organization, and its standards that it has across several industries. So it's an ecosystem of experts, and some of the larger firms have them in-house. Some of the smaller and medium-sized firms can't afford them in-house, so they will create uh, partnerships around some of these challenges and some of the needs that they have. So I would say those would be the top. And I think JP, I was just thinking about experts. I think you, Tempest, have about 2,000 experts serving about 40,000 clients. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're happy about, about it. And of course, uh, we want to extend our reach. Yes, we have above 2,000 experts around the globe. As a group, Monix is headquartered in Mexico, but we have offices in, in DC, New York, Los Angeles, Toronto, London, Madrid, Holland, and in Singapore as well. So we're going around the globe to help them with, with these challenges. I guess just uh, one more thing I guess that comes to mind is you know, protecting and maximizing profit margins. So maybe, Diane, you could talk about from your perspective. Maximizing profit margins globally. It's a challenge that we all have. It's either you manage your costs, lower your costs, or you increase your price or increase your revenue and, and figure out ways to add value to your services, products, or technologies. And I think today... Certainly, the impact on the bottom line with the correct management of foreign exchange fluctuations is one way to decrease costs. And in, but in terms of being more productive and also therefore being a very effective player in a particular value chain, depending on the industry, to be able to maintain or improve profit margins in an intensely competitive global market, companies need to actually invest more in technology. And we've heard this across the board. For example, you'll hear at World Trade Day a gentleman who's representing Agco talk about agricultural machinery so the tractor and other machines in the field will no longer be driven by humans. They will be actually monitored through controls using big data and interpreting patterns by the farmer. The machines will be driverless, and they will be actually networked together talking among themselves. So this is the farm of the future small suppliers to these OEMs as well as larger firms themselves are grappling with this technological disruption. It does impact, therefore, profit margins. So how do you decrease those costs and increase revenue while investing in technology? That's the puzzle for many firms, I believe. JP, do you have anything to say? Uh, well, I think technology is a key point. I think everybody should be investing in technology to lower their costs, and that, that goes for us as well. We have, for example, invested a big number of resources, time, effort in developing an online system that can simplify all the processes from opening an account to placing a transaction 
and providing the right information for the decision makers inside the company to manage foreign currency risks. So I can use ourselves as an example of how important investing in technology is, as Diane was saying. This is key. This is your Tempest Online This uh, is Tempest platform. Online platform. Yep. Yeah, very interesting. You know, in Atlanta, if I could mention, we have a burgeoning fintech sector, which is basically based on the payment transactions technology, payment processing technology, and it's only a few years ago that it's been getting noticed. It's been sort of, I wouldn't say a latent cluster, it's been around for decades. This te- these te- larger technology firms, 70% of global transactions through credit card and debit cards actually flow through the Atlanta infrastructure. I don't know how that relates to Tempest, but I'm sure you must be using that technology or in adding to it or investing in it in some way. Certainly your presence here is testament to uh, the fact that we have, from a, a financial industry perspective, it, it's growing and we're attracting more attention. So. In fact, I was just going to observe that I went to an event at the Atlanta Fed. The current president of the Atlanta Fed was explaining that this is the district that actually handles all the financial transactions for the entire federal system. So it's run through Atlanta. So there's no coincidence that the fintech sector is pretty strong in this part. Yeah, it's built on that very point. Back in the 70s, the Atlanta Fed actually was sort of testing ATM machines. Mm -hmm. I think these, these investments that really started a long time ago, maybe five years ago, but are slowly developing and now are reaching some kind of maturity and, and reaching the public, are speeding the businesses all over the world. In that case, also for foreign currency. Whereas, for example, many markets settle in today's time. You purchase euro today, it will be selling two days after today. Now we're seeing and we are offering same-day settlement or next-day settlement speeding the time you will it'll take for you to pay, for example, an invoice. But this takes years of development from not only us, but the whole payments industry, which I'm sure Atlanta is part, part of. Well, we're all learning so much about Tempest FX and your technology. It's, it's interesting. It's new for me, so I appreciate that very much. You know, we do see individuals and firms, mobile payments now. It's, it's a very, as you were saying, same-day transactions that you offer. It's, this is a... The millennial generation is expecting well, or, this or, well. or a, a zero-day latency kind of thing. We are instantaneous almost. And so as far as that goes, JP and Diane, do you want to observe about the speed of business and what that means in terms of the opportunities that you see for this part of the country, the international market? The speed of business, the speed of business, it's very fast, right? It's, <laughs> it's a, if we talk about 10 years ago, we are operating, I don't know the multiple, but um, certainly much faster than, than we had would have thought, really. And I do think it's this technology that is, again, whether it's blockchain disrupting how we make payments or conduct other transactions or big data. I mean, so much is happening very quickly that, again, from a firm perspective, how to grow globally to be able to not only grab market share but understand that it's highly competitive. Be very careful about making the decision to grow globally in this context and taking into account the risks today versus risks 10, 20 years ago, which were very different. I think there are tremendous opportunities, absolutely. But we have to remember firms are trying to solve problems every single day as they export and as they import and as they invest globally. So having experts is critical. JP, how about you? I agree. Business needs to cope with this new speed that we're looking at. It's going faster every time. 
but decisions and, and the way we take decisions doesn't need to be rushed. And I think uh, we need to take a pause to look at, to consult these experts and make the right decisions to be able to match that speed. And then, Diane, for you, the World Trade Day event that you were involved with, can you talk a little bit about what that means for the international community and what that does for exposure to the markets? Absolutely. And actually, that's my second hat that I wear as founder and chair. Thank you for that. This event, basically, we started it a couple of years. This is our second annual coming up in May. Every year, we'll hold this event in May. It actually has its roots. It's a conference and networking event for both experienced exporters and those who are wanting to learn. I say export, I actually mean trade generally, so both export and import, as well as investment. We basically are presenting and mounting a big tent, not literally, but figuratively, inviting firms within Georgia and actually branching out throughout the Southeast, convening them around these topics that are so important today, disruptive technologies, globalization, how they affect our companies, how they affect how we actually manage our own growth. And so this particular event will draw about 215 to 220 this year in terms of number of attendees. But we have several thought leaders who are going to be participating and actually helping us learn about some of these critical questions around how to grow globally. We're also going to be able to network very effectively and participate in celebrating some awards in terms of some global leadership awards, one of which is being awarded a leader locally here Uh, Ambassador Andrew Young. So uh, the event is actually one that is filling a gap, didn't really exist in the past in Georgia. While there are many trade and investment events that occur here by industry, by function, there was never a sort of a broader event that convenes all industries and all sizes of firms, whether or not they have uh, expertise internationally, they learn. Great. Yep. For you, the listener, if you haven't already uh, listened to our previous podcasts, we had the consul generals for both Canada and Mexico speaking about the trade relations between their respective countries and the U.S., along with the impacts that those relations can have on organizations already doing business internationally. So I think, Diane, you've had the benefit of actually having both consul generals at your events or speaking to your group, correct? That's absolutely true. And I have to say, just uh, in Atlanta, I, I think we have... Don't quote me, but I think we have about 30 different foreign consulates here with offices. And I, uh, you were sitting next to yeah, one. Yeah, I'm smiling like a Cheshire cat. Yeah, we yes, have a few are. more than that. But, uh, yeah, Is that it's, right? Yeah, it's, it's quite sizable and it's yeah. growing. The consuls, yes, and then binational chambers of commerce. But yes, so we, with the, the role of consul generals, as you know well, and we're, we're all so grateful that we have such a, a high density and large presence here because it's very important for Companies, uh, business owners, startups, entrepreneurs who are interested in really understanding international trade investment, the consul general and the consular core here offer an excellent voice. They educate us on the trade opportunities and investment opportunities in their own countries as well as in the southeast. So it's sort of a two-way street. They really add value to the conversation here in Georgia around trade and investment. We're just grateful, actually, that Atlanta is sort of a hub for the consular corps. And so in terms of the, um, I guess, the questions I'd have for the audience about this conference, what it does for the community, and also, you know, what are the advantages for companies looking at doing business in uh, this part of the country? Well, at conference, they're going to be learning about for example, some of the geopolitical forces that impact markets globally. 
we often, as firms, we're so busy running our own companies, we don't have the time to reflect on the well, the effect of Brexit on the European or domestic firms and their strategies, or China's designing the, the uh, One Belt, One Road uh, infrastructure project. How does that impact opportunities for U.S. firms? So the conference itself has a range of topics, alternative finance, med tech, advanced manufacturing, AI, artificial intelligence, and machine learning. So the conference itself, I think, is a wonderful way for firms and and thought leaders to actually come together and discuss these. Diane, how do we get in touch with you, the audience? Well, we've we've got a website. It's www.marketaccessintl, like international, .com. Uh, Check us out. Is that the best way, do you That's think? That's fabulous. Yeah. And then, I guess, JP, uh, how do you get in touch with Tempus? I guess also the best way is through the web. Uh, it's tempusfx.com. That was easy. Okay. That's, that's easy. <laughs> that's yeah. As it yeah. should be. As, as, as it, it should be. be. <laughs> no, th- this, this, was, uh, <laughs> that's right. this was a fabulous conversation, everyone. So I, I do open it up. If there's anything more you want to say other than thanking our audience for being invested and involved with this uh, interesting program? Thank you very much. Don't keep trading and investing. Thank you very much, Tom. Thank you, Diane. I think this is a wonderful experience. Thank you for having us here. Well, thank you for being thank our you. guests, and we look forward to having you at our next International Business Radio program coming up next. On behalf of the Pro Business Channel Networks, we want to thank our guests, sponsors, and you, the audience, for joining us on International Business Radio. This episode made possible in part by Tempest, simplifying global payments in over 130 currencies. For more info, visit TempestFX.com. We invite you to share the show using the social media links here and stay tuned for the next episode of International Business Radio. 